Welcome to Waxing the Porpoise. Uh, we're back again, episode three. Uh, I know we teased it last week, and it's going to be evident when you download the episode, but we are talking about Blade Runner. Lofa, He say you Blade Runner. Tell him I'm eating. This is a first time watch. Uh, as it goes without saying, for Steve, uh, you got your host, Jim G-Baby, G-String, um, my co-host, Steve. So getting getting right into it. Um, Blade Runner. Great movie or the greatest movie? <laughs> to borrow one of my favorite Steve-isms. Uh, well, first of all, it's good to see you again, Jim. Hope all is well. Yeah, uh, I also I also hope you're sitting down because it was a pretty big meh for me. Um, I think I it's sort of unfair looking back on this fucking movie. Forty years old, is that right? Yeah, yeah. So you know, and I, I try 80, not. It's eighty one, eighty two. So yeah, eighty two. So I I try not to go into these things too overly cynical but also not too rosy looking for the positive in anything but i'm sure at the time this was like a big deal you know visually and all that but for me i feel like the i feel like it was a little kind of overly stylized right like it it was so reliant on the style more than the story and the story was all right like i would have i would have enjoyed more of the story versus like how how much fucking fake rain can you have well that's supposed to be indicative of like you know climate change like and the like the non-politicized brand but like just like the decay what? and like the over industrialization of of like the planet because it's la you know it's always dark and it's rainy there so that's supposed to be like a signifier of like this is how fucked up like everything is that makes me hate it more um okay oh and tw- 2019 is when it takes place hilarious yeah, yeah. um <laughs> yeah i mean like the the cinematography or whatever yeah i just i felt it was a little much for uh the story itself but there were there were some cool parts about it i really enjoyed what's his name rutger hauer i thought he did a did a good job I tried looking up his IMDb, didn't recognize a goddamn thing on there, but he, he seemed familiar, um, so I'm not sure what I might recognize him from, but yeah, I thought his character was super cool. Uh, Harrison Ford, fine, serviceable. I find him to be kind of clunky of a dude, but uh, yeah, so well, I guess I guess we should back up a little bit because you mentioned before I watched it, you you directed me to a certain version of it because there's multiple, right? Do you want to explain yeah. that? Yeah. Uh, so you watch on Netflix or oh, HBO took, Max. They took it off Prime like two days ago, I guess. But luckily I was able to watch it on HBO Max. And the one I watched was okay. the, final, the Final Cut. Final Cut. Okay. Yeah, that's like the definitive version, like Ridley Scott stamp, even though they did a director's cut back in like 92. Um, he still wasn't able, uh, because of studio interference, he wasn't able to do everything that he wanted to do. Um, so it's kind of a misnomer that that one was the director's cut. And that's why this one is the final cut. But yeah, there's multiple versions. Honestly, there's not, they're all very similar. But the biggest difference from the original, the OG theatrical cut and the one that you watched is so 
fuck spoilers like we've said with other ones i mean this one's 40 years old if you haven't seen it and uh you're listening you can go fuck if you get mad but yeah so the end of final cut refresh my memory too because so he gets away or it it implies that he's gonna get away with rachel shang yun's character and and then it just hits it rolls credits yeah they're in the hotel or the the stairwell by the elevator and then it's he sees that fucking origami shit and then they turn and it roll credits yeah okay so in the og it shows them like they you they reuse stock footage from another film and i can't remember what the fuck it is it's gonna make me mad because i should know this as like a a huge fan of this but they use they reuse stock footage from something else and it shows them like driving on this like really green like picturesque like like valley highway where there's lots of green so it's like in complete contrast to like la the way that we see it in the film and they just made it really happy like because of studio interference they wanted them to be like a happy ending with harrison ford and and rachel like escaping and living out their lives interesting that would have totally saved the movie for me really no i'm just kidding oh okay <laughs> uh i i was just thinking about that my wife fucks with me all the time because i'm i want to trust people so much i'm like really gullible like anytime someone tells me something i just take it at face value like just now i was like really like of course not <laughs> You hated this fucking movie. That's not gonna save the happy ending. I wouldn't um, say I wouldn't say I hated it. I just felt like I don't know. I'm not. I mean, you know the types of movies I like. I'm not super into the symbolism or any of that horse shit. Like, I kind of just like a good movie. And maybe you could help me because I was trying to think of like another type of movie that's really kind of stylized like that that I enjoyed because. If I did enjoy it, it would probably be because it balanced that with like a really compelling story where I kind of felt like this story was a little just, I mean, it was okay, but I, I feel like, like I said earlier, they they leaned pretty hard on the style versus developing like a really cool story. Like it was just kind of like, oh yeah, he's got to track these people down, find them, he finds them, kills them. And, and yeah, like when what's his name, Rutger Howard dies, fucking dove and his little speech I'm like all right eh, i get it you're human we're all human but are we <laughs> yeah I, I was i can't even tell you how many times i checked the like i hit the button on the remote to be like how much longer we got in here <laughs> I, I was i was watching it for a little bit like all right, we've got to be at least an hour halfway through this bitch. And I click it and it's like 32 minutes. Like, oh God, we got a long ways to go. Damn. I want to recommend Blade Runner 2049 to you, but that movie is like two hours and 52 minutes long. So Christ. So is that, is that like a remake or is it a sequel or no, it's a full on, it's a straight, straight, straight across sequel. It's really fucking good too. Okay, so Harrison Ford's in it, Rachel's in it, I assume. I'm not going to spoil anything in case we ever cover it (laughs) for you. Or in case you want to watch it on your own volition. Yeah, I can't wait. (laughs) (laughs) Well, how about this? So uh, are you familiar with... No, that's okay. um, I mean, just knowing that that it's a continuation of the story... I mean, maybe I should watch it so it has like a a modern context to it versus, I mean, 82 is so long ago. I I can only imagine what it was like seeing that movie then versus me watching it now. It's funny you say that because it actually, it bombed pretty hard when it first came out and didn't find a... (laughs) I can't imagine why. (laughs) Fuck you. Um, No. Uh, yeah, it, did, it honestly it didn't find its following until like much later, like at least 10 or 12 years later. Like there was always a like there was people right out of the gate that were like, this is visionary. Like, this is great. But they were they were a small minority. It wasn't until later like it caught on for whatever reason. Um, so if you but, want to maybe tell me like what I'm missing from like, a I don't know, movie buff standpoint like 
I don't know what what do you enjoy about it so much I guess it's it's kind of funny you say that because honestly I don't I mean there's stuff that you can look into that I can talk about but like on a personal level the reason I like this movie doesn't have to do with there there isn't anything that I can tell you like that you're missing out on and that's why you didn't like it you know if you did for me it's really subjective uh like I, I have a lot of like there's a sentimental um component to this film and like nostalgia I, I really like the story and the visuals and everything, but like for context, I, I saw this for the first time when I was like 12, 12 or 13. So, and it was, it was on Thanksgiving day. So it's got that tied to it automatically. It was a, it was like a nice holiday, a good memory. And for, I don't know who decided to fucking put it on, but we, ha- we had an exceptional amount of family members at that particular Thanksgiving. We had just eaten. Everyone was bloated. It was like dark. It was raining like cats and dogs. And I think it was maybe my uncle. He put it on and, but he didn't like declare it like, Hey, we're going to watch Blade Runner. He just kind of threw it on. And like, I was sitting down and then, you know, kind of people shuffling in and out and then it kind of everyone settled down and just watched it you know like there was hardly any talking and like it was almost like everyone was like entranced by it that was in the living room and committed to it and i don't know it just hit me like a certain way it was like i had never seen anything like that before at that young of an age and it just stuck with me um it wasn't until i got older and on subsequent viewings that i like looked into the you know like the overarching face value is like, what does it mean to be human? You know, um, and those kinds of themes, but yeah, I don't, I don't know if I could sell you on like, this is what you're missing out on. I'm sure you grasped everything just fine. You just, it sounds like you just didn't like it. Maybe it was a little bit too boring, a little too slow, not your, not your style. Yeah, I guess I should. I mean, I, I, it probably goes without saying just based on what I've said already, but I'm not a huge like sci-fi fan in general, mm-hmm. um, at least not just for sci-fi sake. Like if it's a cool story, I'm trying to think of a like a really kind of out there sci-fi movie that I've seen that I liked, but I can't really think of one. So it it's sort of it makes it difficult. You know, it's like a it's like a tough hurdle to overcome from the beginning to get me to like like a really sci-fi futuristic even though it's three years ago and it looks nothing like 2019 uh type where are my flying cars i see no flying cars (laughs) yeah and so much rain jesus christ (laughs) yeah there's a fuck ton of rain so, yeah, like, I, I think that's part of this is like trying to get you out into those deep waters and, you know, get get you into some more things like that. Maybe you'll latch on. I, I think I, w- I had a, a false sense of hope with your reaction to the prestige. I thought that there was enough similarities and like nuance, I guess. Maybe not similarities, but like the kind of film this is instead of your, your straight like Street Fighter or Expendables 2 that you gravitate sure. towards you know well, like i thought that it's that the whole expendables enough. series dude not just two <laughs> they all hold up i mean Welcome it's a it, series ah, yeah series. Ah. not exactly a lightweight <laughs> little prick stonewall on me uh yeah i mean it was no twister which is up there in my uh top films of all time but that is a fucking banger yeah well and i also really enjoyed like the way the movie started like i thought the the, the premise was cool. And then, you know, when they're first interviewing that one dude and he like short circuits and kills that guy, I was like, all right, I'm in. This seems pretty cool. But then it seems sort of switch gears and, and definitely slow down. And I don't know. I just, I didn't, I didn't think, I didn't feel like the outcome sort of justified the buildup. Um, so like the first time I watched, you've seen The Hateful Eight, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the first time I watched it, I was like, God damn, this is slow and boring as shit. But then the second time I watched it, knowing that it was like a slower paced Tarantino movie and it wasn't, you know, a Kill Bill or whatever, uh, I enjoyed it a lot more. So who knows? Maybe if I were to ever watch this movie again, which I assure you I won't, uh, maybe if I were <laughs> maybe if I were to watch it again, I would appreciate it in a different way. 
but yeah. who knows? So yeah, one I think thing movies like that have to like there has to be a little something to make you come back to it. You know, if it's like this case where you're like, Yeah, I don't really want to watch that again. I mean, you're not going to unless you're like fucking on a plane and that's the only thing you can watch or something, you know, but I get it. Yeah, last time I was on a plane, I was watching Under Siege. Just so jacked. Such a good movie. Dude, like- I forgot. I just watched that a few years ago. Isn't there a scene uh, Tommy Lee Jones is eating like fucking raw meat? Oh. Like raw ass cow. Because he's no, the main villain in it, isn't he? Yeah, well, he's one of them. Gary Buse is a pretty pretty bad dude also, but Tommy Lee Jones is also a bad guy. I think I don't think he's eating raw meat, but I think he's just eating steak like with his hands. I, I don't I know. Sworn it looked it was like right off the butcher's table. Anyway, yeah, I was just trying like because I I had never seen it before, so I was watching it for the first time on a plane. And oh really? Yeah, there was like a little kid a couple seats over for me. So when the chick pops out, and she's got her tits out. I'm like fumbling to like move my little screen away from him, so I don't get yelled at by his parents. But. Yeah. Uh, So one thing I thought that was interesting that I thought the movie was going to go in this certain direction, and I kind of thought it early on, I guess I should say, like, I'm not a fun person to watch movies with because I'm always kind of trying to figure out where it's going before it gets there instead of just enjoying the ride. Uh, And I know that about myself. So I, I try not to read too much into little things or... You know, like in this one, when when he first does the little origami thing, I was like, I feel like they're showing that for a reason. It's not just like a throwaway scene. Like this is probably leading up to something. And yeah, not like it was a huge part of it or anything, but I was like, okay. So when they were showing these replicants and they had that weird reflective thing in their eye like a cat, you know, there was one scene where... Uh, let me bring this up because I got their names. When Deckard is talking to Rachel and you can see the little like thing in her eye, but then he turns to like walk away. And for a second, you can see like that kind of glare in the back of his eye just for a second. And I was like, oh shit, are they trying to suggest that he is also a replicant, but just by showing the weird little reflection in his eye for a split second. And then it never, obviously nothing ever came of that, but. Well, actually, and I I should have watched it before. I've seen this movie like at least a hundred fucking times. So I was like, I don't Jesus. need to watch it for this. I don't need to watch it for this cast. But in in the final cut, doesn't isn't there a dream sequence uh, where it's implied that it's uh, Deckard's dream where he dreams of a fucking unicorn running? Um, yeah, I remember seeing a unicorn at some point. I don't remember what. Okay, and then at the very end, Edward James almost, he fucking makes a unicorn out of origami and he leaves it there, and that's what he sees. That's what he picks up when he's at the very, very end, when he's leaving yeah. his fucking apartment with Rachel, he picks up the the origami thing. That's supposed to imply also that um, that they're that coming after him, a, not that just maybe what's he's a, Both, yeah, that maybe he's a replicant too. Jesus, what a stretch. Uh, yeah, you'll love that too, because Ridley Scott's he's very like mercurial about asking like being asked that question. He he fucking I feel like he's he's said different things at different moments in time, but for the most part he leaves it ambiguous, like choose your own adventure, it's up to you, kind of thing. But then again, like if you watch Blade Runner 2049, it kind of it's it seems to snuff it out, or does it? I hate that. It's a 50 it's a 50-50 at the end of the day. Yeah, like, personally, I mean, like I kind of like that idea in one way that I don't want to extrapolate on. Um and in another way I don't like it. Like I want them to be human, you know. It's Yeah, cuz she she uh, it's not definitive. She asked him at one point if he's ever taken the test, right? And so that that was like one more little thing where I was like, okay, well maybe they are trying to sort of push you into thinking that he is one of them. Uh, but maybe they know he is, but they keep him around to find the other ones because he's so good at it that they just try to like keep an eye on him or whatever. Yeah, or he could be a special type of replicant 
that like, you know, that would never suspect himself or, you know, give him an increased lifespan or whatever, you know. You know the score, pal. You're not cop. You're little people. Yeah, keep them as they, like, a sleep, like a sleeper agent kind of thing. Yeah, because if they were experimenting with uh, Rachel to give her memories to make her easier to control, maybe they were doing something similar to him, but just in mm-hmm. a different way. And they expand on that in the sequel too. Yeah, it's just too bad. I'll never watch it. Well, let me ask you this real quick. Um, are you familiar with the French director Denis Villeneuve? What do you think? Well, he's Absolutely got a couple not. things. No? Okay. Like what? What does he have? So he's he's done... Um, I've never seen Chocolat. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't think he made that. Shigley? Uh, uh, no. That's Kevin Smith, bro. Um, have you seen Arrival? This was like maybe three, four years ago with Amy Adams. And no. Uh-uh. Okay. Um, well, he just did uh, that first Dune. Yeah, I've never seen any of them. Okay. Or he did the the Dune reboot that just came out last year. He made a really good flick with fucking Hugh Jackman and Jake Gyllenhaal called Prisoners. Oh, I heard I heard about it. I haven't seen it. I heard it was pretty dark and it sounded that'd be more up your alley because it's like a true crime bent. It's a fictional story. Yeah. It's like it's very it's rooted in the real and it's got a revenge taste to it. I was gonna say it's like a kidnapping revenge kind of thing. Yeah, it's fuck. It's it's satisfying. How does it stack up to similar feet films such as Taken? It's no taken. The fuck you took for the oh, yeah. <laughs> Wait, honestly, I don't remember anything from Taken, except the the obligatory the fucking phone call. I will hunt you and but that that scene right at the beginning, like when they're going to the airport, and he fucks that dude up, and he when he takes his head and he bounces it off the top of the car hood or the yeah. the roof of the car. I love yeah. that fucking part. That's all I can remember that from that movie, but. No, Prisoners is very good. Anyway, if if you ever did watch it, it has the bones of the original Blade Runner. The dude who, Denny Villeneuve, he's like a a virtuoso like director. He takes it like to another fucking level. And there's a lot of people that are like, "Fuck Blade Runner one, it's boring as shit. Twenty forty nine is dope." And then vice versa. Then there's people like me that I think they're both great in their own right. Well then, maybe I maybe I will watch it. Just it's a slog though too, because it's well I shouldn't say a slog. It's a long ass fucking movie, you know. So you'll know within like the first thirty minutes if you're gonna want to finish it out. Mm-hmm. But I will I will say Blade Runner twenty forty nine's opening scene is pretty dope, and it's got Gosling in it. He's fucking a plus, and he's great. He's pretty great in everything, but I think he he really he drove the story and he made it much better than you know anyone else would have. I think in that role, like he was perfect for that role. Did you ever watch The Believer? Didn't I lend that to you for like three and a half years and you never, yeah, watched, never it, watched it? And then just handed it back to me. <laughs> like here you go, man. I didn't um, watch this here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. That's a little... Thanks for it. Thanks for trying. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good one. I liked it. Yeah, that yeah, was a good one. I mean, for as big as a movie buff as I am, there's a ton of shit and like embarrassing like classics I haven't seen. Like I've never seen fucking Casablanca. I get shit for that from some people. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff. God, I think even I've seen that. Get your get your shit together. Yeah, I think I have. Hey, seen one th- one thing I wanted to go back to too, how you're talking about, you know, you're not really a big fan of like sci-fi and shit. You know, I, I get that too. I mean, for me, that side of it was like I used to I used to hate anything made before like 1968 or 1970 like just anything old i'm just like i don't want to fucking see it you know like it's just it's boring and then as i got older you know i, I dipped my toe in that water and there was a, a couple things that were that really like i was like holy shit like it blew my mind that that people could be like that forward thinking or, or there could be that much substance in like an older film just me being jaded and like a product of my gen- of our generation but specifically like westerns i was like fuck westerns man and then i saw high plains drifter with eastwood and then i watched what's the first one of the the man with no name trilogy i can't believe i'm drawing a blank 
the good, bad, and the ugly is the third one for a few dollars more or fistful of dollars. That was the second Western I ever saw. And I was like, dude, this is fucking real dope. So then I got, now I'm not into Westerns, but I can dig a good Western, you know? I mean, Tombstone is a Western, but that's like, that's like a Hollywood. It's like a nineties action movie. You know, that's, I put that up there alongside, you know, like under siege and like die hard and things like that, you know, but like actual true Westerns, like the, like Clint from Clinton Eastwood's era are fucking are really great, but I always thought those were lame. So who knows, maybe, you know, try out a couple other sci-fis like from the eighties or nineties might, might pique your interest, but yeah, my grandpa used to watch Westerns all the time and It's like he would just put them on and take a nap immediately. So I always mm-hmm. kind of I kind of always associate them with just being like boring, kind of trudging yeah. along. But I think he would he would do like more John Wayne westerns, not like you know the badass like Clint Eastwood westerns. Mm-hmm. And I I don't think I've seen any of those. You should, but dude. There was one I can't Clint remember. Eastwood's films are dope. There's a couple really old movies that I've liked. I liked uh, 12 Angry Men a lot. That mm-hmm. was good. Uh, and then speaking of sci-fi, I finally thought of one sci-fi movie I liked. And I might be confusing it with a different one, but it's an old, like, black and white, really shitty effects. I think it's The Day the Earth Stood Still, but I might be confusing it with something else where, you know, this, like, alien comes and... God, I can't... I'll, I'll have to look it up later, but... Uh, it's not yes. War of the Worlds, is it? No, I don't think so. Who knows? I might be confusing it with something else. But uh, did you have any other fun tidbits about symbolism in Blade Runner? Or was it pretty much just rain? Why are there so many Japanese people in L.A.? What's happening? I think I think that's that's to just show like the homogenization of the world. Like on like globalization has just like pushed beyond the dam you know and so just just to illustrate the fact that everything's everything's mixed up you know everything's a cultural stew that like, seems like you the, see all like that seems like the opposite it seems like the opposite of uh what's happening there you know what do you mean like i feel like if they wanted to show like a more multicultural world everybody would not be Japanese or whatever. I don't know if they're specifically Japanese, but that's what the language looked like. I think it's Chinese. Well, are you Chinese or Japanese? (laughs) No, I'm from Laos. (laughs) I got a fun, there's a, there's a fun uh, tidbit about Edward James almost character. Uh, He's the one who does the origami, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's gaff. So he got like he got the script and he immediately started doing like super deep like he bought into the that like globalization like the the homogenization of cultures he bought he bought into that like hook line and sinker so even before he got cast for the role uh like officially he immediately started doing like deep research and shit on like uh are, you know what esperanto is uh is that like is, is that like a dead language or something kind of it's like a um it's like a quasi language i don't think that's right but it's like a patchwork a pastiche if you <laughs> <laughs> it, it's like it's like a conglomeration of <laughs> different languages it's supposed to be like uh like shorthand or like a like a pig latin to get you to get you through in a pinch like if you were in like some fucking like romania or bulgaria i think like eastern europe maybe anywhere in europe you like you could get by if you didn't know anything else i'm probably butchering that definition but it's it's basically it's like six plus different languages all mixed together so Mm. it's kind of like it's like like its own thing like a spanglish yeah like you could kind, kind of, like, of like you could kind of get by by speaking little parts of multiple languages. Yeah, like if like yeah, if someone w- you were talking to, you only knew Esperanto and they knew Spanish, they might be able to pick enough up to like help you get along to your next destination or something like that. You know, whereas 
if you spoke English and they spoke Spanish and they didn't speak a lick of English, you're fucked, you know? Um, at least that's the way I understand it. I could, I'm probably off base for sure on a little bit of it, but that's the crux the way I understood it. But anyway, he fucking dove deep into that. And then, so he like, he added some other things to like spice it up and make it like fucking like Esperanto plus. So that's what he's speaking. He calls it, they call it city speak within the movie universe a blade runner so that's why the whole time he fucking you can't understand anything he's fucking saying he he speaks city speak but i thought it was like he took i don't know that's kind of fringing on like method acting you know kind of thing like it's not like he spoke that off camera and shit with his with uh, his fellow actors and the director and stuff but he 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 did a lot of research into it and I, they ended up cutting most of his fucking lines. So he did all this like deep research and all this shit. I kind of feel bad for him because almost seems like, uh, or Edward James almost seems like a, a solid dude, like from everything I, I understand about him, like he's like a good dude and he's like dedicated to his craft and they left like 90% of his lines on the cutting room floor. <laughs> it's so weird that you say that because I don't remember his lines being I don't remember not understanding what he was saying. Really? Yeah. I mean, well, so I did watch it with captions on. I, I like to watch movies with the captions on just so I don't miss yeah. little things. Maybe they like translated it and I didn't even realize that what I was reading didn't huh. match what I was hearing. But I don't remember thinking like, what the fuck gibberish is this guy speaking? You know, it's not like Farmer Fran in Waterboy, mm-hmm. like where it's just nonsense. <laughs> uh, I did look you up. <laughs> yeah. Esperanto, uh, the definition is it says it's the world most world's most widely spoken constructed international auxiliary language. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously that's what you meant to say. It yeah. was intended it was intended to be a universal second language for international communication or the international language, if you will. Mm-hmm. So the exact opposite of a dead language. <laughs> yeah. Well, I feel like it's not like used very often. Maybe it is. I mean, fuck. You just don't hear about it very often, you know? Like yeah. being employed. Like, oh no, it's cool. I speak Esperanto, we'll be fine. Yeah, Jibber, Jibber Jabber. Daryl Daryl Hannah's character is absolutely atrocious to look at. That was like, painful. Yeah. I think they actually spray painted like a line over her eyes. Like she just closed her eyelids and they just went. I believe that. And at the end too, like, I think, I think they cleaned it up in the final cut, but like in the, the original cut, they couldn't get like, she couldn't do it and they couldn't find anyone to nail that fucking like triple Lutz cow octuple end over end flip thing she does. So they had to get a dude to do it. And it's in the earlier versions of the film, it's, very clearly a dude in fucking spandex and that haircut making all those flips and shit oh weird yeah i guess that dude too like ridley scott hired this guy and he made it he he made him do it like fucking 38 times that like eight flips and crash into the wall and they paid him like 500 bucks like thanks man stunt guys that's that's a hard dollar to turn and then also the gal who plays uh, Zora, the gal with the snake, the stripper. Yeah. When she crashes through all the glass and shit, when she gets marked. Yeah. That's they they digitally altered it in the final cut, but the original cut you can see him jumping through glass. It's very clearly a fucking uh, dude in like a ugly ass uh, red wig, and it 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 doesn't. Look good. Ah, knock yeah. the shit out your ugly. <laughs> yeah, I wish they would have. I wish they would have digitally altered it to be a more interesting character. Oh, speaking of that, that's one of my favorite Harrison Ford moments in this movie when he goes to braise Zora, the gal with the snake, the stripper. Yeah, and he, and he does that weird like affectation to his voice. He's like, "I'm here with the." united variety of art at like yeah what, about. what what a talent <laughs> <laughs> i liked it and then he kind of trails off like any and he starts talking normal like this you know like to her 
I just thought that was really weird. And it's like he's like in he's playing head games, like he's fucking with these replicants because they're not like they're not like fully developed like a human, you know, because they only have that four year lifespan. I, I that part always intrigued me. Like, what what's the what, why is he using that voice? What's my motivation? Um, <laughs> I like that part. I thought it was it was funny how he just he starts talking all nasally and like a nerd, and then he just trails back into like the normal way he's talking. I was like, what? What is that choice about? Um, I found myself oh. asking that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there's another thing. It's kind of infamous at this point too, but uh, Harrison Ford did not have a lot of fun on this picture. Uh, Why is that? All, it was all night shoots. And, and he's was, soaking fucking wet the whole time. Yeah, there's a, a constant and all the smoke and the fog. So back in those days, they were using shit that was like not like on the up and up. And it was like, you know, if you were in in a enclosed room, like the scene where they go to that uh that old the uh, the eye specialist, the genetic eye guy. Yeah. Uh James Hong. Chewy uh, or whatever his name is. Yeah, Hannibal Chu. Um, or no, that's not his fucking name. That that's from <laughs> Pacific Rim. His name's Chu. But yeah, that room when it's there to insinuate that it's like a fucking cryogenic, you know, and it's freezing. They were just like pumping like fucking smoke and like fog, and you couldn't be in there for more than like thirty minutes without like feeling super lightheaded and dizzy and shit. So, so there was a like just fog machines going twenty four seven, and they were filming at night. So like from like midnight to like four in the morning, and then just pissing rain. And he didn't get along with Ridley Scott like at all. Uh, so yeah, I, wonder he, if it, I think uh, it comes it comes through, you know. I wonder if it, it smelled like those fog machines at like uh, laser tag, you know, if you go to yeah. a sick sick metal show and you're standing too close to it, it dude, that shit is like caustic if you breathe it yeah. for too long. Yeah, it's a very specific smell for sure. What else is Ridley like, Scott? I, Go ahead, what, what what else has Ridley Scott done? I'm not familiar with him or her and their work. Throw him up on the Google machine. We'll see I, how good I can get um, or be. He did. Fuck. I'm a I'm a pretty big Ridley Scott fan, so I should be able to rattle off a few better than this. I think his first like major picture was Alien, and then I th- I think his next film was Blade Runner. Uh, Immediately like maybe a year or two after so, production on Blade Runner. What's the difference between, like, I know it, this is going to be a stupid fucking question. I see he's got credits for producing and directing. What What's the difference? I've asked myself that too, but I think <laughs> in like, my heart, it's only heart. in the past it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's only in the past few years I've like, okay, that's what a producer does. They're, I think they're more like hands off and they're just like uh, they're they're hands off like more are so they, like art artistically they're more like a functionary of like keeping the production rolling they're like an ops person uh are they the just like set are they just money people because weren't the wine no, not brothers? strictly they i think they can be they can be very hands off and like they just want to produce a credit and then or they'll they're um they're the facilitators to the money men is what it seems like to me selling the picture or like getting distribution and like all the, all the background shit, like not so much, but I, you know, other producers can be more involved in like a film's like creative decisions and artistic decisions. But f- primarily the way I understand it is like they're, they're responsible for, access like a pipeline to securing money and working with the studios and then kind of like channeling between the studio and the director and that's where like you know studio interference comes in because they're the financiers and if they're like a movie doesn't test well or if they don't think something's going to play well they're the one writing the check so they can influence the director but in this situation like with Ridley Scott like he's a very hard-headed director and he's like this is the film that I was you know uh, signed on the film i'm gonna make my film so like in this particular movie like 
there, there's so much like lore on like the making of the film, which is really interesting to me too. It adds a lot of replay value is um, how much of a struggle it was for Ridley Scott to make this film. And he's not the easiest director either. Cause he, he's like one of these guys that he shoots a shitload of film and that's just, you're burning money. Like that's, that's the most expensive part when you, he's doing like 20 takes, 30, 40 takes of each scene, you know, but is that different now that it's all digital? Like, because when it was actual film, I am, I have to imagine it was exponentially more expensive. By the way, I imagine uh, I can feel people's eyes rolling into the back of their head as we try to figure out what a director is versus what a producer is. Because this, this fucking guy has 153 producer credits, including Gladiator. Awesome. And then, you know, some Who other directed shit. directed Gladiator? Uh, well, this says he's a producer. Oh, God damn it. I still don't know. And then 50-something director credits. That's my cat. Uh, yeah, he's so, doing a shit ton of stuff. Uh, it says Gladiator most, 2 is coming out, so that's cool. I think the most recent thing Ridley Scott like, di- full-on directed was, because he's kind of stepped away, because he's getting up there. I think he's like 85. He's in his 80s, I'm pretty sure. But the last thing he just directed last year was... Um, excuse me, uh, The Last Duel with uh, Adam Driver, Matt Damon, and <laughs> uh, Ben Affleck. And I, I thought it was fucking great. It was it was really good. It's not I feel quite like I heard like, it was good. Yeah, it's not full throttle, like Braveheart, like medieval shit, but it's got some fucking brutal scenes and the, the last duel of the film, The Last Duel, is pretty fucking savage. It's like... It feels very realistic. Like if it, it feels like those dudes were like actually going at it, like with heavy armor and like the blood and like just the savagery of it. But it's that film's kind of weird. It's like cut up into three parts and it's told from three different vantage points. So you, it's like you're watching 45 minutes of a movie three different times from a slightly different angle and a slightly different narrative. It, it's really good too, though. But um, yeah, I think before that. The last thing he directed was Alien Covenant and or Prometheus, um, which I really like yeah. those too. But I'm I'm seeing a bunch of stuff for him. But but yeah, he stayed pretty active, like on the producer side, like you know, just involved with filmmaking and and things like that. He's got his own production company. Uh, it's called what is it called? Uh, Scott Free is his production company. Yeah, the if you ever want to go into a deep dive on like like the making of Blade Runner, I think the final cut, the physical media version, it comes with like a three and a half, four hour documentary from everything, like from the inception of like adapting Philip K. Dick's uh, book, Do, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, all the way through like every phase, like like fixing the script, casting, production, design all the way to shooting to reception and like, you know, how it's caught on to become a cult classic and what it is now it's held up. Like, I think it's in the high nineties on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, I would rather, are super high. I would rather kill myself in public than watch that. Somebody is going to take that thing and stuff it right up your ass. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck was that? Bathroom. That cuffy on YouTube. Oh, Go fuck yeah. yourself. <laughs> Twelve year old. Um, it had a lot going against the film, so it's it's even more of like a testament to like how well it's done and like later on and it's found, you know, this cult following and and I I feel like you know justified in everything that went into it because I think greatest film or great film this is a great film um to me it's probably depending on the day it's it's in my top five top ten depending on the day you ask if you ask me um of all time wow that's bold that is bold (laughs) (laughs) well i i I really like the story too how'd you how'd you feel i i'm i know i know you mentioned there were some things that you liked that had going for for you concerning the story what is the thing that you like most about the story well i liked i just kind of liked the premise quite a bit 
I thought it was it had a lot of potential. Uh, I felt like the the replic- replicants that he had to kill were just really not that interesting, other than uh, the first one. You see- well, yeah, him. He was great. I thought his death scene was a little stupid. Like he just he just died right there. Uh, funnily enough, I looked him up, and he actually died in real life in 2019. How fun! Oh, Rutger Hauer. Hauer. No. He's still alive, yeah. isn't he? Nope, he died in 2019, just like the movie. How fun! I'm not, not that I don't, I don't believe you. Uh, <laughs> not that I. <laughs> it's because isn't it Brian James that died in 2019? He played Leon. Um, I don't know about Brian James. I didn't look into his life at all. Uh, I liked, I liked his character. He was interesting, fun. Um, you might but, remember yeah. him from uh, the Fifth Element. He was like one of the generals. Oh yeah, no, I've never, now. I've never seen it. Oh God, we are lost. <laughs> yep, never seen it. Damn, I feel like <sighs> never, you like that one. Never See, that's a that's a sci that's a fun sci-fi. That's like very different. It's very like frenetic and like fast paced and like cool action. I feel like you'd like Fifth Element. Anyway, if you ever feel like doing it in light of the news of Bruce Willis retiring, if you ever do a Bruce Willis retrospective, definitely include the fifth element alongside, you know, Die Hard and Last Boy Scout. Yeah, I've seen the, seen all the Die Hards, obviously. Uh, haven't seen the Last Boy Scout. Good one. Damon Wayans is in it. Um, yeah, is, is he like, is he going to die? Like, I don't really know what that condition is. It seems like a pretty broad, you know, it's, it's like saying he's having a, you know, mental degradation or whatever. It's like, okay, well, that's, that's a pretty broad way of saying he's getting old. Like everyone does as they get old. Yeah. It seemed like, what is it? it aphasia. It yeah. seemed like it, it, you know, it kind of bleeds and shares a little bit with like dementia and or uh, like Alzheimer's to me. Maybe. Yeah, just like a cognitive decline. But the when I first read it, I was like, what the fuck's aphasia? And it's like like specifically the inability to uh, uh, like speak and like get out what you're trying to say. So maybe not not so much that your brain is degraded to where you can't do it. It's just like like the the speech function within your brain. And I think and it was like listening and comprehending what's being said so it sounded to me like it was like a more like it was tied to like language and like that part of the brain Oof, that's not rough. so much as like a broad you know like alzheimer's like all your cognitive faculties kind of just degrading and like maybe that's more tied to like memory a little bit whereas this aphasia seemed more like communication based degradation i guess that's that's the way I understood it. Doesn't sound good either way. Yeah, yeah, that's a bummer. Um, Damn, that's crazy. Rutger Howard died. I could I could have sworn he was still with us. I could have sworn. You also yeah. said Alzheimer's. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know how to say it. How do you say it right? Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's. Like like with a Z in there a little bit. Alts. Alzheimer's. Uh, with, with very much a Z in there. <laughs> okay or you I could just uh, it, there was a t thrown in there somewhere you could just advance straight to dad mode and just call it old timers yeah there you go <laughs> did you or did you not name one of your children after harrison ford because of this movie i mean i like not after this movie specifically i i like harrison ford as like an actor and like why like, why <laughs> why (laughs) dude do i have to rattle him off he's excellent in the fugitive uh okay i'll give you the fugitive witness uh junior indiana jones han solo blade runner uh he's dude you like danny gloves you should watch you should check out witness with uh danny gloves and harrison ford yeah, what's another one? Frantic directed only, by only if it's as good as this. That's that's a whole other bag of cats, but isn't uh six days, seven nights one of your favorite movies too? 
I have never seen that. I'm not a big Anne Heche fan. <laughs> but David Schwimmer's in it too. It sounds too, it reminds me too much of Crime Fresh. <laughs> what else is he in that's good? Well, no. So to answer your question, no. Um, okay. Well, yes, for me, but my <laughs> wife says it's because she's such a huge Beatles fan. Specifically, she's always been a, a, a George Harrison stan. Uh, George Harrison. Know that. I don't know what stan means. He needs some milk. But George Harrison. <laughs> George Harrison is my favorite Beatle as well, so good for her. Okay. So she says that's why we named him that. I say it's because Harrison Ford, but you put them together, that's what you get. Oh, there's one thing. So you liked Rudger Hauer a lot. Uh, He is, I think he stands out for sure. His performance is is excellent. And it's kind of funny, like in the documentary and some of the behind the scenes stuff, it's very palpable that... um, Rutger Hauer has like an antagonistic view of Harrison Ford. I feel like he, um, it comes through in all of his interviews and stuff. And there's one point too, where he's talking about his character, Harrison Ford's character. Cause you think of him, he's like the main protagonist of the story. And it's like, he's the good guy, you know, wiping out these bad replicants and like, he's your hero of the story. There's an interview where he's talking about that. And he's like, he's like, what's, what's he do? He's like, he's not the good guy. He's the bad guy. Uh, he's like, he's like, what's he do? He, uh, he fucks a washing machine. Because uh, <laughs> he has sex with Sean Young, you know, and he's thinking of these. It's, it's. The replicants were all such great characters. And, and Harrison Ford's character is such a dumb character. He gets a gun, a gun put to his head and then he fucks a dishwasher. And then he, he falls in love with her. It doesn't make any sense. He's introduced as, you know, this detective hero, but he's not the hero. He's the bad guy. Yeah, it's it a little pretty- counterintuitive because he's, ta- he's trying to say that the replicants are more human than actual humans. But in the same turn, like his out of spite, he's saying, well, why is, why is Deckard, the, why is Harrison Ford get all the, the uh, spotlight like he's the fucking hero he fucks a washing machine so yeah he's kind of speaking he, out of both sides he, of his... fuck, he borderline rapes a washing machine too like when she goes to leave he just slams the fucking door yeah yeah it's pretty it's pretty brutal yeah and <laughs> if you can believe it he and sean young didn't really have very good chemistry either um what yeah <laughs> yeah looking at it now too yeah it's especially it's like he's not really putting the moves on her he's like just moving on her um, yeah this is happening yeah <laughs> uh, I think it's a, I, think right. it's an old, I think it's an old Bill, Bill Cosby quote where he's like either we fucking or I'm fucking <laughs> oh man and a banana cognac bitch <laughs> I've seen things you people wouldn't believe all right uh yeah that's been well that's been fun well i'm I'm glad you watched it at least uh even though you didn't you didn't enjoy it uh i I was hoping there was a glimmer of hope after your endorsement of the prestige i was like maybe you will we'll see but can't all be winners Um, yeah i was also hoping this one was going to be entertaining but you can't can't win them all. <laughs> I was really hoping I could watch it on like one and a half speed, like a like a slow podcast, you know, just kind of zip it, zip it up. But it's all right. All right. I'll try to but do better next time. Watch. You probably never watch uh, twenty forty nine. Uh, You're a Gosling guy, aren't you? You like Gosling? I mean, I guess I don't know. I I can't I even really think. You, of... If you like him a lot, I think you'll get something out of it. I don't really, I can't really even think of anything else he's been in that I've seen, honestly. You never seen Drive? This is, these are all stupid questions when I ask you, have you ever seen this fucking movie? It's the whole point of this podcast, but um, you haven't seen Drive? No. I actually, think it's, I, th- I actually have a hot take on Drive. I think it's pretty fucking overrated, but it is, I can see the draw to it. It's it's stylish. It's fuck, It's super stylized and it's, it's got a dope synth, super synth heavy score but i mean he's he is good in it 
Yeah, he's been in quite a few. Yeah, I've never never seen The Notebook. Uh, yeah, I'm coming up empty on other stuff he's been in. I like The Believer. You had three and a half years to watch it, and you never did. Yeah, I'll have to add that to my list, too. All right. This is, any this final, is my list. Any... This is my list of movies I'm never going to watch. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'll have to add it to the old uh, list. <laughs> All right. You have any final thoughts on Blade Runner? Nope. No, Not just, a... you know, glad it's over. <laughs> <laughs> Throw it looking on the forward, ground. Looking forward to the next steaming pile of shit you recommend. Steaming pile of cow dung. <laughs> we need some milk. All right. Well, uh, that's going to wrap up uh, Blade Runner, uh, the OG. So in keeping with... Uh, theme of the show we're gonna go into our topic randomizer and we'll see what are we going to talk about next uh another movie some sort of unexplained phenomenon or true crime or option three a wild card so all right looks like we're we're gonna do another movie so that's the topic let's go come on twister (laughs) well you've seen twister so we can't watch twister um, you and I could just reenact the entire movie from beginning to end. I call dibs on Dusty. Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah. Dusty. He's the best. Him and Bill Paxton to me are, are the top tier. Both both taken way too soon. Yeah. Okay. You know what you know when they found Philip Seymour Hoffman dead, sitting on his toilet, he still had the needle in his arm. That's how quick he died of an OD. Jesus. What was it of? Was it fentanyl or just heroin? I think he'd probably been clean for a while and then went back to what was, what was to him a normal dose and just yeah lights out. Yeah. Isn't that a common like phenomenon, like former users, like when they step back up to that dosage, it's like a, there's yeah, like a I mean, they, term or whatever it is for it. Well, I mean, their, their tolerance has, has gone down so significantly, like as it goes up, they don't, you know, it's, it's incremental as it increases, right? You just need more and more and more and more. And mm-hmm. you feel it and you feel it less and less because your body's getting like less dopamine or whatever. So if you clean up for a little while and then go back, you consider this dose to be normal and you, you literally just overdose and die. Yeah, that sucks. He was a, he was a really good actor. All right. Uh, do you want to tease this? You want me to tease this one again or just go right into it? Uh, it's up to you. We'll just we'll just lay it out. All right. So our next picture is uh, a film from 1992 called Thunderheart. Oh Christ! This is one you've never seen. No, uh, it's from the list. This is starring Sam Shepard and Val Kilmer, directed okay. by Michael Apted. He hasn't done a whole lot of other things. Not, certainly nothing you'd be familiar with. But yeah, it's a it's a good crime it's we're getting away from sci-fi it's a good uh it takes place on a native american res like about dragons or something what am i thinking of dragons you're thinking of fucking dragon heart oh i wish i had that bump the i am the last one is that is that sean connery yeah that voice is the fucking cg dragon thank god i thought that's what we were talking about (laughs) alongside Dennis G. Quaid. Um, no, it's not no, that. No, this is this is not fantastical at all. Thunderheart. It's on stars right now. This was a couple months ago. Maybe it's on some other streaming platform. So it's on stars if you got a subscription. Otherwise, you're gonna have to rent it somewhere, Amazon or something. But yeah, Thunderheart's a fucking banger. I think you'll like it. Although I thought you're gonna like Blade Runner too, so we'll see. Um, but it's very much not sci-fi, so how's that going for it? Yeah, it fucking slaps. It's great. I'm looking forward to talking to you about it. You liked you liked Wind River, didn't you? I did. Yeah. Okay. So I I think that's another point in its favor of the probability that you will like it. So yeah, and, and some, I'll leave it at that. Something we can tease for a future episode somewhere down the line. You know, I have a sort of interesting relationship with the native american people so we'll just leave it at that for now okay you're gonna have to refresh my memory off air because i don't i'm 
drawn a blank. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us on waxing the porpoise. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, you can reach out to us. If you got a e- uh, question you want to send us via email, uh, it's wax at waxing the porpoise.com. Uh, we've got our Instagram set up for waxing the porpoise and Twitter at waxing the porp P O P O R P. So follow us on social media, subscribe, we're everywhere you get your podcast, Apple, Google, all the rest of it. And that'll do it for us. So next time we'll we'll uh, talk about Thunderheart. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, guys. Fucking filthy, dirty, fucking cockfucker. It's too bad she won't live. But then again, who does? <laughs>